0: Welcome to Exaltation. This is Father David Masterson bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true. Our scripture today is Isaiah 40, verses 1 to 11. Comfort. Yes, comfort my people, says your God. Speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned. For she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted and every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight, and the rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. The voice said, Cry out, and he said, What shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its loveliness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, because the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. O Zion, you who bring good tidings, get up into the high mountain. O Jerusalem, you who bring good tidings, lift up your voice with strength. Lift it up, do not be afraid. Say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold the Lord God shall come with a strong hand and his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his work before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. Have you ever felt that making it through another day was the hardest thing in the world for you to do? Have you ever read a book on how to make your prayer life more effective and then for the next year God seemed more distant than ever before? Perhaps you've tried to fix your struggling marriage and your relationship with your spouse has gotten much worse instead of much better. Shakespeare once said, It is not difficult to bear other people's toothaches but when one's own jaw is throbbing, that is another matter. Isaiah's message in chapter 40 is for those whose jaw is throbbing. It is a message for people facing tough times. A story is told of the doctor who called his patient and said, Jack, I have some bad news for you, and I have some very bad news. Good heavens, the man replied, that's horrible. Tell me the bad news first. The bad news is that I have looked at the results of your tests and you have less than 24 hours to live. Man, if that's the bad news, what's the very bad news? The very bad news, replied the doctor, is that I was supposed to call you yesterday. There are times when life tumbles in around us. Things seem to get worse when we hoped they would improve. We get discouraged, disheartened, and distracted. This was precisely the life circumstance of the people Isaiah is preaching to in our scripture today. This chapter is an outburst of hope amidst overwhelming chaos, anguish, and turbulent times for God's people. Isaiah 40 is one of the most eloquent statements in the English language. Probably no other scripture has had so profound an influence on the world's great leaders. Martin Luther read it in the fortress of Salzburg, Germany, and was changed by it. John Brown, the great American abolitionist, read it while in prison in Virginia awaiting his execution, and his attitude was transformed. Noah Webster made Isaiah 40 the model of his eloquence, while the poets Wordsworth and Carlyle refer to its lasting influence on their literary style. The words of Isaiah 40 are in the center of one of the most unique and compelling books in all of Scripture. In its structure and message, Isaiah is like a miniature Bible. The first 39 chapters, like the 39 books of the Old Testament, are a message of judgment on immoral and disobedient people. The final 27 chapters, like the 27 books of the New Testament, are a message of hope forgiveness, and peace because of the promise of a Messiah to come. To fully enter into the message of Isaiah, we need to paint the historical background of this passage. Isaiah prophesied during some of the most difficult days of the nation of Israel and Judah, a 60-year period from 740 to 680 BC. During these years, The Assyrian military machine swept down from the north to capture Samaria and carry the northern tribes captive to Assyria. The Assyrians were a cruel and merciless people. One Assyrian king writes of his expedition to Palestine, I built a pillar over against the city and flayed all the chief men who had revolted. I covered the pillar with their skins. Some I walled up within the pillar, some I impaled upon the pillar on stakes, and others I bound to stakes around about the pillar to die. Isaiah lived through this experience. Though residing in Judah he knew of the plight of his brethren in the north, Isaiah ministered during the years of Judah's decline into idolatry and disobedience to the Lord. Finally, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, laid siege to the city in 701 BC, threatening to force Hezekiah, king of Judah, to surrender or face the ravages of starvation. Fortunately, God miraculously intervened. In Isaiah 37, God sent an angel to destroy the Assyrian army. King Sennacherib returned to Nineveh and was assassinated by his own two sons. Shortly after this deliverance, Isaiah writes this monumental 40th chapter. He is peering into the future and forth telling what God will do in the centuries ahead. As the chapter begins, Isaiah prophesies the return of the nation from Babylonian captivity in 539 BC. As he looks ahead to this historical moment, The turbulence of the fighting, the siege of Jerusalem, and the deportation of the nation to Babylon are past. But Jerusalem, God's holy city, is in ruins. No longer the flourishing strategic center of Palestine, the city is a heap of rubble with only a few ragged poor survivors. The once-renowned walls of Jerusalem are broken down. There is no king, no commercial or political significance, no active temple service, and no annual pilgrims thronging her streets in multicolored robes of celebration. The people are scattered in captivity in Mesopotamia. They are discouraged and defeated. Forty long, hard years pass by. The exiles are dispersed among the people. They have lost their customs, their culture, and their ways of life. Now as chapter 40 begins, it is time to return to their homeland and rebuild their lives. But the people are broken in health, disheartened and without hope. Against this bleak background of broken circumstances, Isaiah has a message for the people. The majestic, unwearied God gives strength to fainting man. God gives strength to fainting man first by speaking to his people. The great truth of Christianity is that the living God speaks to his people. In the varied circumstances and situations of our lives, God is not silent. He is not an absent landlord who created the world and then went on vacation. He is always present, always active, and he is always speaking If we will listen to his voice. What is the content of God's message to his people? First, he speaks a word of comfort. Look at verse 1 and 2. Comfort, O comfort my people, says your God. Speak kindly to Jerusalem and call out to her that her warfare has ended, that her iniquity has been removed, that she has received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. God is a God of ultimate and unspeakably tender comfort. 2 Corinthians 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. To those burdened with their sins, as the exiles were, God speaks a word of comfort. Someone has written, To expose sin may be the work of the moral dramatist. To scorn it may be the work of the satirist. But God is more than a judge. He is our Savior. Jesus said in John 3.16, For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world should be saved through him. As God looked at the exiles in their sin and disobedience, he viewed them with infinite love and tenderness. They were still his people. Though they had turned their back on him, he would never forsake them. And what was true of them is true of us. Sin separates us from God, but it can never separate him from us. God is always the compassionate Father, seeking to lovingly comfort all his children who will repent of their sins and turn to him. God also speaks a word of perspective in verse 6. A voice says, Call out. Then he answered, What shall I call out? All flesh is grass and all its loveliness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. There are times when we are discouraged and wearied with the burden of our sins. Sometimes we struggle with the consequences of our own actions. There are other times when we've done the best we could do, and still our rope breaks. Problems persist and pressures mount up through no fault of our own. During these times, we need a fresh, eternal perspective that can only come from God's living word. The contrast in these verses is the frailty of man and the immortal vigor and freshness of the word of God that secures the fulfillment of its own promises. 2 Peter 1.3 says seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, that by them you might become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust." Never underestimate the power of the Word of God. The Bible is inherently mysteriously powerful. Its words are evocative, dynamic, creative, saving, death-defeating, life-giving, and transforming. God's Word changes the old, creates the new, brings light out of darkness and joy out of tears. The inherent power of Scripture creates its own effects in the hearts and minds of those who read and obey it. God speaks to His people. He speaks comfort. He speaks perspective. He also speaks a message of victory. Look at verse 9. Get yourself up on a high mountain, O Zion, bearer of good news. Lift up your voice mightily, O Jerusalem, bearer of good news. Lift it up, do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, Here is your God. We need to remind ourselves that ultimate victory has already been accomplished by our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ's death on the cross brought redemption to the world. We now live in the triumph of His victory. 2 Corinthians 2.14 says, Now thanks be to God, who always leads us in his triumph in Christ, and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. To the wearied exiles, trudging despondently across the desert back to Jerusalem, God speaks comfort, perspective, and victory. Some of you are struggling right now because of the worldwide planned pandemic. Listen to the words of God. Eagerly seek after what He alone can provide. But not only does God speak to His people, we see secondly that God comes to His people. The central message of Christianity is the incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Word became flesh. John 1.1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. But our majestic, loving God comes to his people on the condition that their hearts are prepared to receive him. Verse 3 says, A voice is calling, Clear the way for the Lord in the wilderness. Make smooth in the desert a highway for our God. Let every valley be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low, and let the rough ground become a plain, and the rugged terrain a broad valley. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all flesh will see it together. Christ the King has come, bringing deliverance, hope, forgiveness, peace, and eternal life. Then why do so few receive him? because Christ only comes to those whose hearts are prepared, whose hearts welcome him. Roads in Palestine in the ancient world were notoriously disordered. One traveler commented, There is scarcely one good road throughout the length and breadth of Palestine. Travelers pass their horses with difficulty along the wretched highways and wonder why so many huge rough stones obstruct their way. It was typical for an eastern monarch to travel through his dominion on chariot to inspect his towns and cities. Forced laborers went ahead of him to build roads for his chariot to travel on. Hills would be leveled, ditches built up and holes filled in that the king might make progress on his journey. Using the figurative language of valleys, mountains, and hills, Isaiah is underscoring the importance of moral and spiritual preparation. The nation is to remove every spiritual barrier that might hinder the coming of their king. All the obstacles that sin has put into God's way must be removed. That is to say, the nation must repent. 2nd Chronicles 7:14 says if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land how desperately modern man needs to hear this message comfort is ready The mighty, all-powerful King of the universe has come in Jesus Christ to give strength, hope, and life to fainting man. But we must repent. We must prepare our hearts by turning from sin to embrace the comfort, love, and goodness of God. And to those who do prepare their hearts, how does God come? First, he comes with might, verse 10. Behold, the Lord God will come with might, with his arm, ruling for him. English Bible scholar J.B. Phillips has written a book entitled Your God is Too Small. In that book, he says, the trouble with many people today is that they have not found a God big enough for modern needs. Most people worship and serve a God who is too small to command their adult loyalty and cooperation. Dear friends, we need to recapture a vision of God as He really is, to exalt in His greatness, grandeur, authority, and power. God is incomparably great in a class all His own without peer. Isaiah goes on in this chapter in verses 12 to 26 to outline the incomparable greatness of God. He is greater than the world he has made, verses 12 to 14. He is greater than the nations of the earth, verses 15 to 17. He is greater than the idols men and women create, verses 18 to 20. He is greater than the greatest kings, leaders, and dignitaries on earth, verses 21 to 24. He is greater than the vast starry sky in the heavens above, verses 25 and 26. God is incomparably great, and this incomparably great God is the God who comes to his people with might, with his arm ruling for him. Do we see the universe under the rule of God? Despite the presence of evil in the world, the ongoing march of history is literally his story. It is the inexorable march of the kingdom of God throughout the earth. Never before in history has there been such an unprecedented harvest of people into the kingdom of God worldwide. The increase of believers among third world countries has been spectacular. In 1900, 9% of the third world were believers in Jesus Christ. Today, over 70% follow the Savior. In China, since 1975, over 100 million people have come to faith in Christ despite widespread persecution. In 1900, Kenya, East Africa had less than 2,000 Christians. Today, there are over 6 million in this nation alone. Zaire had only a handful of believers in 1900, and now 60% of that population confesses allegiance to Jesus. In the Philippines and Oceania, 85% of the population profess Christ, and in South Korea, the church is growing at over 10% of the population every year. This is phenomenal. God's mighty arm is ruling. Even in the midst of widespread deception and confusion, God is advancing His cause throughout the world despite the powers of darkness and evil. God comes to His people with might and with a powerful ruling arm. He also comes with a reward in His hand. Verse 10, Behold, His reward is with Him and His recompense before Him. Following the Lord Jesus Christ in difficult times is a daunting task. It's easy to get discouraged. Temptations press in on us. The problems of life mount up and we are easily overwhelmed. But God says in Revelation 22.12, Behold, I am coming quickly and my reward is with me to render to every man according to what he has done. If following Christ seems difficult, if the goal of evangelizing the world seems too great, Remember, only one life will soon be passed and only what's done for Christ will last. We have only a few years to accomplish our victories and all eternity to celebrate them. Finally, God comes to his people not only with might and a reward in his hand, but with his incomparable shepherding love and tenderness. Look at verse 11. Like a shepherd, he will tend his flock. In his arm, he will gather the lambs and carry them in his bosom. He will gently lead the nursing ewes. What a picture of the shepherding love of God. Notice that Isaiah doesn't say that God harshly drives his people. No, he gently leads them. He gathers them in his arms and carries them through the exigencies and vicissitudes of life. At Christmas time in 1939, King George VI stood before the nation of England during a time of great national turmoil. Great Britain was horrified by unemployment and terrified to enter another war. In a radio broadcast... King George VI said, I said to the man who stood at the gate of the year, Give me a light that I may tread safely into the unknown. And he replied, Go out into the darkness and put your hand into the hand of God. That shall be to you better than light and safer than a known way. Dear friends, As you face tough times in 2021, Isaiah says, Remember that the majestic, unwearied God gives strength to fainting man. Settle it once and for all. God Almighty is for you. He wants you to face life with steady eyes. He wants you to conquer your difficulties. He is with you in tough times. He gives strength by speaking words of comfort, perspective, and victory. He gives strength by coming to you personally in the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you discouraged or disheartened? Put your hand into the hand of God that he might encourage and refresh you. Our hearts are frail. The road ahead is often steep and lonely, but look up. Look up to God and receive His message of comfort, perspective, and victory. Perhaps there are some listening who have never trusted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. God's strength to face tough times is available to you as you turn your heart to Jesus Christ and receive His life and power. Repent of your sins. Turn your heart to Christ and receive His message of forgiveness. If God is speaking to your heart, make that commitment today. Friends, the majestic, unwearied God gives strength to fainting man. He gives strength by speaking to you a message of comfort, perspective, and victory. He gives strength by coming to you with might, with a reward in his hand, and with shepherding love and tenderness. Will you put your hand in his hand? Will you find God's strength in tough times? Let's pray together. Almighty God, we thank you that you have given us strength to face tough times through your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us right now to take hold of Him, to trust in Him, to love and serve Him all our days. We pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. For of him and through him and to him are all things, to him be the glory, both now and forevermore. Amen. You've been listening to the program Exaltation. I'm Father David Masterson with Godet Ministries. You may reach us on the web at GodetMinistries.org. That's G-A-U-D-E-T-E Ministries.org. This gospel outreach is entirely listener-supported. Please help us proclaim the gospel on the radio to a needy world. You may donate online at our website. Your gift, large or small, is gratefully appreciated. Until next time, may God richly bless you with this word of encouragement from the prophet Isaiah. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary.